0: you know that your perspective of any given situation can and will determine whether you receive all that god has for you in that situation or not oh no that's a little intense right okay but this is actually really great news because it puts you in the driver's seat of being able to make sure You inherit all that God has for you in your life. I'm going to share a story, a very personal story, of how God taught me this, and then we're also going to look at a beautiful example of this in Scripture. So buckle up, and let's jump in. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen, with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Hey guys. Hey, it's Jenny. I'm so excited to jump into episode two with you guys. It's just me. No interviews this week. I'm going to share a topic that I'm actually going to be preaching on tonight at church, um, but I'm super excited about. It's just gripping my heart. I'm fired up over this, and you guys heard a little bit about it in the intro, so I'm, I'm pumped to dive in, but first a couple of announcements. Firstly, thank you to everyone who showed up like gangbusters for last week's launch. You guys just, your support blew me away, touched my heart. So deeply, like I can't, it's not a cliche phrase. I mean it so truly. You guys really touched me. And the way that people were sending in their feedback and how the episode affected them was so encouraging because my heart for this podcast is to nurture and encourage the body of Christ to grow and deepen their roots with the Lord and and step into kingdom living. That is my passion. So when I hear the, the responses I get from you guys, y'all, it's water to my soul. So thank you to all of you who rated, who reviewed, who shared, who posted. You guys literally, I just kind of rode on that high all week long. So thank you so much. So um, also major shout out to those of you who don't know, there are people who sponsor my podcast. It's a small little community right now. It's all, it's something any of y'all can join. If you love this podcast and you want to financially support it, um, that is always an option. You can do it right through Anchor or on Patreon. There's more about it in my outro at the end of the episode, but I have a couple sponsors that have come in clutch for this season. First of all, I partnered with a coffee line for the upcoming merch store. Yes, that's another announcement. I'm so excited. And I've already been designing t-shirts, been designing mugs, and we are working on this coffee line. They've already figured out the two flavors that are going to be for us. And I've been drinking them for the last two weeks, and I'm so sad I'm almost out already. Um, But... That's uh Rosanna and Gustavo they have been sponsors of the podcast for literally over a year and they decided to partner with me i I pitched them the idea they were like yes we'd love to they're kingdom-minded Jesus loving coffee makers and I'm just so excited to partner with them and support their business and and them support the podcast so it's a great partnership there and then another couple um Samantha and Christian are also sponsors. They're currently at Christ for the Nations trying to get on the missions field. But y'all, even with that on their horizon, they have been sponsoring my podcast loyally and faithfully for over the last year even with all of their life transitions and he has a graphic design business he's he's starting back up and he offered to design my logos I found out my old ones were expired and so he offered on the same day he felt prompted by the Lord to design my logos. so you guys I was like yes please God has my back thank you so much I love you (laughs) so I just want to say to my sponsors each and every one of you literally touch my soul every week just the fact that you're willing to support the podcast financially it means so much but y'all thank you for your support thank you for the ways that you guys showed up for the launch and stay tuned for life hacks at the end in the life hacks we're sharing i'm sharing two ways to make your mom life a little easier both for the morning routine and the bedtime routine the morning routine was a really great suggestion from samantha um on how she helps make the mornings easier with her kids. So stay tuned for that, and let's jump into this topic. All right, let's talk about how your perspective determines your inheritance. Let me start with a story. A number of years ago, you guys have heard me reference this before, but a number of years ago, our house flooded with Hurricane Harvey. And I remember a couple weeks before this happened, we were riding home after school in the car, and the boys were telling me about a classmate whose house had burned down and they literally lost everything and my heart just like ached for them and I just remember thinking as we drove like imagining what it was like to be in that position and just how that must bring someone to the very edge of their faith or like be the ultimate test of how you trust the Lord. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh. And I just prayed for their family. And I'm pretty sure that we helped them somehow. But I just remember asking the Lord, like, God, if we ever went through something like that, I would would really need you to sustain me. Well, little did I know, two weeks later, (laughs) here comes Hurricane Harvey. And literally, I needed the Lord to sustain me because our house flooded. And we had eight feet of water in our home and we I had before the hurricane hit I had asked the Holy Spirit do we stay do we go and he said well you can hunker down if you want to and I was like "Uh, I don't think so and so I took the boys and I evacuated to Tyler and it was the hurricane hit and it was like this ongoing the boyfriend that would just never break up and go away you know it was like it came back like three times it circled in the gulf and came back three times and so in the three days that that hurricane hovered um People were flooding, people were dying, people were trapped in their homes. It was insane. And so we knew we had a little bit of water in the house because my husband had come rushing back, let the neighbor's dogs out, and pick things up off the floor of our home and he saw that there was water in the house. So it was a brand new home, we'd only been in it six months, it had just been built. And so we knew we had some water but we didn't know to what extent. Well, from then to when we found out the condition of our home, it was a good five or six days. Because our neighborhood was so flooded, none of the streets were open. And the street that goes in front of our neighborhood was probably one of the last streets to open in our whole city. And so my husband kept himself busy at the church and organized and oversaw a distribution center for people in the area. I had my kids out of town and I was kind of a dispatch calling airplanes in and relief supplies into the area because I was desperate to be of assistance, but I didn't know how to from out there. And so I was able to fulfill that role. And I just remember when I was looking at my laptop and my husband texted me and I had music going in the background. My husband texted me, he goes, hey, someone just sent me a video of our neighborhood. Are you ready to see it? And I was like, oh. And so he sent me the link, it was on Facebook. It was on the Waco Navy Facebook page. And so I opened up the video and in the background was playing that song by Jen Johnson, you know, it's you know, it didn't just go on. You're trying to keep it together, something like that, where it's like it's gonna be okay or whatever. Obviously, I know the song very well, and um, and so I was watching; it was playing in the background as I watched this video, and these guys are boating through our neighborhood at roof level. And I was like, oh my God, like, holy crap, we just lost everything. Now, the beautiful thing is, about two or three days before that, I had a dream. And in the dream, I walked in the front door of our home. Everything was white, even though in real life, the walls were actually like a gray-blue color. I walk in the, in the house, and I see water lines across from me um, up the mantle above the fireplace. And I saw them about eight feet up. And then that was it. And then the dream was over. But I was at peace in the dream. And so I called my husband, said, hey, babe, I think there's a good chance. We may have lost, lost, lost everything, but this is the dream I had. It came with so much peace. I really feel like we're going to be okay. And he called me back <laughs> later to let me know, hey, I just found out we didn't actually have insurance on the house. <laughs> I was like, oh, sweet Jesus, you got to be kidding me. And we just built the house. So, of course, our savings were depleted. So, we were really in a position. And um, so, I just, as I watched the video, as I calculated the gravity of the situation, and I, I remember sitting in the hotel one night watching the boys sleep. And they didn't know how bad it was. They knew there was a hurricane. They knew mom and dad were trying to help people. They knew our house maybe had a little water in it. But that's all they knew. And as I sat there and watched them sleep peacefully, realizing they they were protected by their lack of knowledge at that point. And I said, "Lord, I need you to teach me how." I knew they were going to be watching for my response. I said, "Lord, how do I respond? How do I protect the boys' hearts from this trauma?" Because I realized losing everything, like your perspective changes your entire experience. And I knew losing everything is hard enough to begin with. How can I lessen the blow for my children? And the Lord reminded me of Bill Johnson's phrase that he often says, where he says, I stay encouraged by looking for what God is doing. I stay encouraged by looking for what God is doing. And so I said, okay, that's going to be my mantra. That's going to be how I live this thing out. That's how, I'm going to, that's how I'm going to walk through this. and And I didn't even understand the gravity of the wisdom and the life raft that the Lord was throwing me in that moment. And so that's how I continued to walk. Now, every night, I would sit and process with the boys and give them a little more information. And then I would make space for them to process their feelings. We'd talk it out. And so I remember when I finally told them, you know, hey, there was enough water in the house that everything on the lower level was covered in water and so we've pretty much lost all of our belongings but it's going to be okay. And so they'd process oh my dog and oh my my pet this and oh my guitar and oh my this and it was sad um but at the end of those I would always shift their eyes back to what the Lord had already begun doing on our behalf. And so um I remember when this became very very real to me though because from that point forward That became my mantra, and we saw the Lord do miracles for us literally on a daily basis. I'm not even joking. From people sending me money to people, um, I mean, people from high school that I hadn't even spoken to in years sending me gift cards and cash and um, people providing bikes for the boys when we got in town and providing all these different things for us. And there was this moment, I remember standing in the room when we finally got back in town, and I'm fast forwarding a bit a bit of the story but we finally got back in town and we were we had just gotten settled in the place we were going to be staying which was a miracle in itself and I remember telling the boys to get settled in and I instinctively said okay everyone go to your beds but then I realized holy crap we don't have beds like none of us have beds and like almost instantly this panic began to well up in my heart as like the reality of, of what we had lost kind of struck me. And, and you know, the, the provider in you, the parent in you, you want your kid to have a bed, you know, it's like a devastating thing not to have a bed to sleep on. And, and, and so I had to intentionally like shove that panic back down, not in an unhealthy way, but like in a way that I was guarding my heart. And, and it was probably a little bit of a survival technique. Like I couldn't bear to carry the weight of that level of loss. And so I immediately shut the doors to fear in my heart. And I, and I looked at the air mattresses that we had and I said, you know what? We have air mattresses. The boys have beds. And I said, thank you, Lord. You're going to provide beds for us. And that's just where I left it. And I said, thank you for the way you provided the air mattresses. You provided blankets. You provided towels. You provided all these things. And I know you're going to provide beds And you know what? Two days later, a church from Arkansas heard about our situation and sent us beds. And so we saw these miracles happen again and again because I chose to keep looking at what God was doing. There was this moment, uh, maybe uh, a few weeks in, where... I was, driving, I was driving to the gas station or something, and I, I remember starting to kind of get caught up in stressing out over the things that we needed again. It had been a while since I had really diligently been thanking the Lord for what he'd been doing. Been about a week maybe, and I realized, man, nothing has really been happening on our behalf lately. Like We'd kind of gotten accustomed to these daily miracles. And, and I realized as I was about to start whining about not having a vacuum cleaner and kind of getting in that stressed out prayer mode, I stopped myself and I said, Lord, I haven't thanked you in a while for what you've done. God, let me just thank you for a moment. And I just started recounting everything he had done. And as I did, my heart just got full and I got full of joy and I got full of hope. And then I just, at the end, I just said, Lord, so many families in our church have suffered. Would you intervene in a radical way that provides significant finances For everyone in our church who's lost a home. Everyone in our church that's flooded, I need you to provide supernaturally. Guess what? Two days later, Good Morning America called our church and said, We're doing a special in Houston. We heard about the assistance your church has been offering in the community, and we want to bless the families who flooded in your church. Not joking, guys. We want to send them $2,000 gift cards a piece and they can come up to this pop-up store and take home anything that they can carry or When I saw the way that the Lord responded to my prayer shifting from being need and fear-based and anxiety-based to being built around Thanksgiving, all it all it took was one simple little request. And he brought down, boom, (laughs) good morning, America and thousands of dollars for everybody in your church. (laughs) Like it was crazy. And I was like, holy moly. And I was reminded of that scripture that said, God knows what you have need of before you even ask. And I, it was an epiphany. I had no idea how much of a game changer this was for my entire life, that how many prayers had I wasted where my perspective was built around fear instead of faith? How many conversations had I had where my perspective was built around fear instead of faith? How many things did I miss out on because I chose to stay in that place of fear and stress and worry instead of stepping into a posture of thanksgiving and faith where God could take radical action on my behalf? So that builds me right into what we're going into with this in this, we see this demonstrated in scripture in Numbers 13 and 14. Some of you guys may be familiar with this. Some of you may not, but a little backstory is Moses and the Israelites in the Old Testament, God had showed up in Egypt, did all these major miracles to free the Israelites from the slavery of Pharaoh and the Egyptians, right? So they're, in uh, the wilderness. They've been walking through the wilderness for about 11 days. They've been out there for a short period of time, but enough that they're feeling a little displaced. They'd seen God do the, the split the Red Sea and all this thing. And God had said, I'm taking you out of Egypt to the promised land. That is the promise they're believing for, right? And so here they are at the edge of the promised land. And Moses said, and this is where chapter 13 picks up. Moses said to um, Caleb, Joshua, and 10 other Israelite guys he said I'm going to send you 12 spies into Canaan which is the promised land and I want you to scout it out I want you to let me know like is it good soil is it bad soil how many people live there are they strong people or weak people is the land good is the land bad do they have walls are they fortified cities or not Let me know what it's like and try to bring back some fruit, by the way, (laughs) just so we can see what grows there. So Moses was legitimately scouting it out because this is where they're supposed to inherit, right? So he sends out these spies and they're out for 40 days scouting everything out. So when they come back, this was their report. They said to Moses in verse 27, chapter 13, and I encourage you guys go back and read this story because it is legit going to challenge your faith in the best way. Um, They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But then the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, which is um, a group of people that were a combination of angels that um, intermarried with humans, and so they were very large. Um, the, um, the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country, Canaanites live near the sea and along Jordan. So they said, this is where everybody lives. And then Caleb, um, silenced or Caleb silenced the people before Moses. Cause of course, everyone's like, Oh my gosh, this is what it's like. He said, we should go up and we should take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. You know, he saw the conversation was starting to shift because these guys said, but, The people who live there are powerful. They're fortified. They're big. They're larger than us, right? So Caleb jumped in there right away. He's like, but we can do it. Let's go. Let's go take the land. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And then from there, they began to spread, verse 32, they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. A bad report. No, the... The government is out of control and the this and that, you know, like the, what would be your bad report? No, the doctor said you have cancer. No, your kid is rebellious. No, your job is about to let you go because they're having cutbacks, the bad report. So they spread the bad report. They said the land we explored devours those who are, so now they're exaggerating. They're adding to the story. They're like painting a picture of devastation. So they're not helping these guys. They said the land we explored devours those who are living in it want to know how would they know that did they see anyone getting devoured no they saw people living there come on they're being they're adding their imagination to this now all the people we saw there are of great size we saw the nephilim oh i'm sorry the nephilim are the angel ones the they're the descendants of anak oh okay yeah same they're all related um we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them notice is very key what they said we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes And we looked the same to them. It's very important. They're giving away a key here. The way they perceive themselves determined how convinced they were that God could do this thing on their behalf. We we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. How many times do we look at our situation and we look at our situation where we're the grasshopper and the situation is the giant. And this situation is just going to step on me. When we went through that flood and found out we didn't have insurance and found out our savings was depleted and this and that and the other, we could have felt like grasshoppers. We could have felt like this. And I did at times felt like this tiny little thing, but I did not assume that the situation was too great for God. In fact, it kind of put me in the position where I was like, okay, God, there's nothing I can do It's all on, you now." and, and I leaned into him, but these guys, they leaned into fear and they spread their fear around the camp and around the Israelites. So that moment where I had looked at my kids and panic started rising in my heart because they didn't have beds, that's a moment where I felt like a grasshopper. But the next day we had beds because I chose not to stay a grasshopper in my perspective. I chose to instead thank God for the way that he could bring us into the promised land of a new home, right? So you have two perspective options that we see with the way these Israelites. Already, already in the story, we're seeing two perspectives evolve. You have Caleb's faith-based perspective. We can do it. And watch because he brings even more. We can do it. Surely we're able. God can bring us in there. Or a fear-based perspective, which is, oh, those guys are big. It, that The land devours the people that try. And, and we were grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we're sure that's how they thought of us, too. Right? Like, do you see how fear just begins to exaggerate and and balloon things out of perspective? Well, ironically, your brain is actually wired to recognize situations and have either a faith or a fear-based response. Literally, all of your thoughts come down to faith or fear-based. All of them. Nothing escapes that grid work. (laughs) Faith or fear. So literally, it makes things very simple. You can just look at your life situations and go, okay, Am I having a faith response or a fear response right now? Even stuff that feels neutral, like I'm gonna go sit in the chair, I sit in the chair without fear, why? Because I actually have faith that the chair is gonna hold me. So even something neutral like that is actually built on a faith or a fear response, okay? So where you, listen to this, where you fix your focus is what will produce your perspective. Where you fix your focus Ready? The, the guys who were afraid, they were focused on how big everything was and how intimidating it was. That produced their perspective of fear. Caleb, on the other hand, his focus was on how capable God was to bring them into the promised land. And so his perspective was one of faith. A little little example of this, when I was riding motorcycles back in high school and college, I remember learning, and it was terrifying, learning how to go around corners because I would look at the ground right in front of my front tire and I just could never get a solid, stable turn. It always felt like I was about to fall over. Now, so many stories about how my mom was just wild and just took us on these crazy rides up and around mountains. I literally thought I was going to die. But I learned in that how to turn on a motorcycle. And the trick is you don't look in front of your tire. You don't look at right, what is right in front of you. You actually look at the end of the turn where you want to end up. And your body and motorcycle and coordination will naturally just pull you into it. You have a stronger, more stable, steady turn. And that is the way to have a more secure turn on a motorcycle or in a car, anywhere. Um, And so that is a perfect, though, visual example of like how it should be for us in life. Caleb's perspective was, God promised us this promised land. Surely he can take us in there. Haven't you guys seen all the miracles he just did? He freaking just split the Red Sea. Like, hello, are you guys paying attention? but all these other guys their perspective their focus was these giants are so big okay so if you will look at what god is doing look what god look at what god is able to do your faith will come out of your focus your faith will come out of your focus this is this good news this is a life changing tool this is literally a life changing principle for any of you that will get a hold of this when you factor god out of your life, here's the deal, when I get to the end of my life, I don't want to look back and wonder if God could have done more with my life. But if I stay in the lane of fear all the time, I will have no option but to look back and wonder. Because here's the deal, when God built your destiny, he designed your destiny with him as a core central focus. Because he built you for relationship with him. He built you for a journey with him. And so if you factor God out of situations, you are taking on a version of the story that God didn't design for you. He designed himself right into the center of the story of your life. When you factor God out, you factor out your destiny and your full inheritance. When you factor God out, all you end up with is a wilderness experience instead of the promised land. Where in your life are you possibly having a wilderness experience? Have you factored God out of that equation? Now maybe, I know some of you might be saying, I factored God in for a long time and nothing happened. I hear you. I've been through those kind of things. And do you know the power of a, of a mustard seed? I, I did a little research. I have a necklace that I wear. It's got a little mustard seed under a mountain. And I wear it on my neck to remind me. A mustard seed, it's not about the size. It's about how long... It takes for it to produce that tree. It is the tiniest little seed. Do you know how long it takes for that little seed to produce a tree the size of a mustard tree? It takes forever. The power of faith is not how much you have. It's how long you hold on to it. It's how long you hold on to it. And God will continually bring you to the edge of your faith. Because that's where your faith grows, right? And so your perspective must continually be looking for what God is doing. If you have a habit of watching throughout life well, for what God is doing in your circumstances and your situations, you are going to go through life with a, with a constant ongoing sense of hope and purpose and confidence because you know God is always at work on your behalf. Okay, so verse 31, let's get back to this story. Um. Verse 31, now it said, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger. They they spread a bad report. And then what happened? That night, chapter 14, verse 1, that night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. So now they're being overcome with hopelessness and despair. This is what fear does. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. There's all these great principles in this story, guys. Fear hopelessness and despair will make you begin to complain against the leaders in your life, against the things God has set in your life. The very gifts and people God has given you fear and hopelessness will cause you to begin to reject. And they began to say, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Y'all, they weren't fallen by the sword yet. Nobody had even pulled out a sword yet. That's straight out of their imaginations. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. (laughs) Do you see how they're making this huge story in their heads? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? So they have already built up this whole vain imagination around the devastation they're going to face because that's what fear does. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the Israelite assembly and Caleb and Joshua tore their clothes. But then Joshua said, Um, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I would be like, amen, preach it, Caleb. You just give me hope again. But no, you know what these people said? They said the whole assembly talked about stoning them. (laughs) Like they were clinging to their fear. Now, to their credit, they had been slaves for the last 400 years. So they didn't know anything but slavery. And that's a key right there. Fear will make you want to, fear will make you ask for slavery. Kind of sounds a lot like what's going in our country right now. Fear will make you ask for slavery. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent. God stepped in to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me despite all the miraculous signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague. And God's like, I'm gonna destroy all of y'all. And Moses in all of his, he's so merciful. Moses jumps in. He's like, no, 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 Lord, don't destroy them because the nations around us will hear about it. And then they will say, oh, the God of the Israelites was not big enough to bring them out of Egypt. And so God was like, all right, I'll forgive them. I've forgiven them just as you have asked. Nevertheless, now listen to this. As surely as the glory of God fills the whole earth, not one of the men, who saw my glory and miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me all these times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised to their forefathers. No one who treats me with contempt will ever see these promises. But because my servant Caleb has had a different spirit, not one of fear, but one of faith, and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land that he went to and his descendants will inherit it also. Listen, friends, your faith or fear perspective can and is the determining factor between whether you inherit the promises of God on your life and your parents' lives and the ancestors before you and if your children inherit those promises or not. Now, these people, God didn't destroy them, but you know what he did? He sent them in circles in the desert for 40 freaking years. And they continued to grumble and have all these issues. They finally ended up dying in the desert. And then the next generation, Caleb leading that crowd, was finally able to possess the promised land. Listen, there will always be something you can choose to be afraid of. Misery loves company. People are always looking for someone to join their misery. Offense builds an army. If you're offended, the human instinct is to go and build an army that empathizes with our offense. And then now we have a big division, just like these guys did. They went and spread rumor through the whole Israelite camp, discouraging everybody. What if those 10 spies had had a different perspective? If they had just had a little bit more hope and listened to Caleb... And said, you know what? You're right. Those guys are big. It's going to be a battle. But God is in our corner. Look what he's done for us. They would have literally all gone into the promised land probably that week. And their children would have inherited the promised land. But listen, they missed out on the promises of God. When God promised Canaan to them, They were people that he promised. If there are promises God has spoken over your life, ooh, I'm preaching now. If there are promises God has spoken over your life that you have not seen fulfilled, oh, I'm preaching to myself now, maybe it's because you have been so focused on the giants in the land and the fact that you look and feel like a grasshopper in your own eyes and you have chosen not to keep in front of your eyes what God has done, can do, and will do on your behalf. Holy crap, I feel the anointing on that. And now I sound like a TV preacher. Um, God will release his promises. You will step into the promised land where you keep your eyes focused on what God is doing. So how do you know when you're getting into territory that could rob you of your inheritance in Jesus? One thing to watch for, a little red flag. If you tend to have a pessimistic perspective of things, you need to repent and you need to ask the Lord to give you a faith perspective. Listen, a lot of this is not supernatural, it's just brain wiring, it's renewing your mind, literally renewing your mind because your brain is built for faith or fear and especially for people who grew up in really abusive environments, toxic environments, difficult relationships, your brain is gonna be lent towards that fight or flight mode, that fear response you are going to need to reprogram your mind. But God also comes alongside of us and helps heal those things and helps give us an ability to have a faith focus. If you're a grumbler or you're given to complaining, well, hold on, let me back up. A faith focus, Hebrews 11, one describes it like this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's a substance like, I'm so confident I have this already. But it's something I'm hoping for means I haven't seen it yet, right? It's the evidence of things not yet seen. There is an assurance and a confidence that comes with a faith perspective. But let me actually point your eyes back further in the story. When Caleb took up that confident perspective, what was the people's fear response? They wanted to stone him. When you have a faith response to life, it will agitate and irritate and anger the people around you who have a fear response to life. They won't always appreciate your, your focus and your response. Now, those who want hope will. But those who are just determined and have found their comfort zone in fear, they won't like your response. And that is okay. They don't need to like it. And if they decide to stone you, the Lord will step in on your behalf. <laughs> faith can always be considered by those who are not in faith. As naive, childish, you're just a dreamer, you're out of touch, get down here, come down to earth. But if you've noticed, when you factor God in, nothing makes logical sense anymore, right? Like a loaf and a fish feeding an entire multitude of people. Mm, doesn't make sense. A leper who's been sick their whole life, Jesus reaches out to touch them, which is against all practices back then. And you know what? They are healed and restored. Like there's so many, the Israelites go out to the desert and they're stuck up against a river or a sea. You know what God does? Ah, I'll just split it in half. You know, <laughs> how about you just lost your job? And God says, you know what? You don't have money to pay the bills. Why don't you sow a seed into that person? What? Doesn't make sense. But in God's kingdom, what doesn't make sense gives him substance built on faith, so it's evidence of things not yet seen that will be seen. So when you factor in God, things will not always make logical sense, but that's because you have the God factor. He's the one that makes the difference. Second thing to look for, first one was if, you're, if you have a pessimistic perspective, you need to repent, surrender that to the Lord and begin reprogramming your mind, <clears throat> renewing your mind. B, if you're a grumbler or given to complaining, you need to stop it. The Bible says, do everything without arguing, complaining, or arguing. Everything without complaining. Everything without complaining. In everything, give thanks. So God's saying in every situation, you should never step into grumbling or complaining. Why? And there's a difference between, hey, I need to process this difficult situation. Complaining is not solution-oriented. It's just, oh, it's so hot in here. Oh, I just can't handle Complaining is just whining. But the reason why I think God takes it so personal when we complain is because it's not a position of faith. It's not. So replace it with looking at what God has done for you. Instead of, oh, it's so hot in here. Be like, you know what? I'm so glad I have air conditioning. Thank you, Lord. I do have air conditioning and I can go inside and enjoy the air conditioning. (laughs) Okay. Third, if you're always trying to reason out a situation with logic, you might not be living in a faith space. Now, That doesn't mean we don't use our minds. It doesn't mean we don't think things through. The Bible says we love God with all of our minds, that we can honor and love God with our intelligence. But also keep in mind, Adam and Eve reasoned their way into eating that fruit. Eve reasoned her way. Oh, well, surely God didn't mean this. Surely God meant that. She reasoned her way out of obedience. And it pulled them out of their destiny. So if you're always trying to reason your way. My kids do this all the time. They reason their way out of obedience. And I'm like dude knock it off. This is what I told you. Just do the thing. So if you're pessimistic. If you're a grumbler or a complainer. Or if you're always trying to reason your way through things. Bring God back into the equation. Give, Bring in the God factor. Stop complaining. Replace it with gratitude and thanksgiving. And instead of reasoning Always realize things don't make sense when God gets involved. So always leave space for the God factor. So how do we have a faith perspective? Look for what God is doing. Look for what he has been doing. Look for what he's doing now. Look for what he can do. Fill your heart with the word of God because this will fill you with those things. If you're struggling to find things to look at or to see what God has done, go read the word of God. It is full of everything that he has done and can do and will do for you. Lastly, spend time in his presence in worship and in prayer. This gives you, in his presence, worship and prayer, what that does is it positions you where it gets your eyes off of your situation, off of your grasshopper likeness, (laughs) and puts your eyes back on the Father, the fact that he's called you into the promised land. And if he called you there, surely he's going to make a way for you to get there, right? At the end of the year, after our house had flooded, I had asked the Lord, how do I protect their hearts from the trauma of this experience? And so in January or at at New Year's, in the end of the year, we sat down and we asked the kids, what was your favorite part of this year? And I said, now, boys, I know it's been a hard year. You guys lost everything. We've recovered. We're living in a temporary housing situation, but there's always something good we can find. So what was your favorite part of the year? And you know what the boys said? Without hesitation. They all cheered and they said, Hurricane Harvey. (laughs) And I literally almost cried in that moment. I think I might have cried. I said, what? And they said, Hurricane Harvey. And I said, guys, you literally lost everything you owned. How was Hurricane Harvey your favorite part of the year? And they go, well, yeah, it kind of sucked to lose everything. But they were like, when we came home, we had buckets of stuff waiting for us. And then people provided a house for us. And then people bought us bikes. And people gave us, gave us beds. And then we had blankets. And we had new clothes and new toys and all this stuff. They said, honestly, it was like the best thing ever. And I was like, wow, God. That was my promised land. Because I asked the Lord, how can I protect my kids' hearts from this trauma? And he showed me at the end of the year. He said, you know what? You kept your focus. Just like Caleb, he had a faithful heart towards God, counting on what God is able to do. I kept my focus. Now, listen, that's not credit to me. God gave me grace. I didn't know what to do. And so I went to him. And guys, if you go to him, he will show you how to be a Caleb in your situation. But because I chose to keep my eyes fixed on what God is doing, he brought us into our promised land. And he poured out so many blessings, provided for us in every way. We did not go into debt to rebuild our house. We have better furniture than we had before. We have all the things we ever needed. God provided for us abundantly. He used his children to do it. And he provided so supernaturally. That was our promised land after walking through what we walked through with Hurricane Harvey. So my encouragement to you, as I wrap it up, is think about situations in your life where You can respond like the 10 spies, or you can respond like Caleb. The 10 spies said we were grasshoppers in their eyes. Do not be a grasshopper. Be a Caleb who said, God has called us to this promised land, and he will take us to it. Surely, he will take us to it. Keep your eyes focused on what God is doing, and you will remain encouraged, and you will step into your promised land, okay? so good and preached myself into excitement. Now don't go anywhere. I've got some really great life hacks for you. Okay. So this first one comes from Samantha. Now we're going to make the morning process a little easier for you. She says what she does is she lets her kids sleep in their clothes for the next day (laughs) to make for easier mornings. Now, I could see this working if your kids are wearing pretty comfortable clothes during the day. Jeans, maybe not so much. But let them sleep in their shirt. If it doesn't, I mean, typically kids don't get too wrinkly while they're sleeping, right? You know, I mean, they're warm. It probably kind of somewhat irons the clothes out. So we have done this when my kids are super excited about the next day and they get to wear special clothes to school, they will literally sleep in them. And you know what? it really does make for an easier morning. So if you know, you don't feel like you're neglecting your parental dignities or whatever, I say go for it, totally do it. Makes the morning easier, why not? Okay, but to make Samantha, thank you for that suggestion, I love it. Um, If you wanna make your, your bedtime process a little more fun, if your kids are like my kids, particularly my littlest one, not so much my older boys, but my little one will ask for a song, maybe a story. And when they were little, I would make up these stories about these four mice named Eenie, Meenie, Miney, and Moe. And of course, I have four boys. And so the mice correlate with what boy it is. And I would create these stories built around the same lessons that they had learned that day. And sounds genius, I know. But really, I was just desperate to come up with something. And I'm not that creative. So I just took inspiration from their daily life. <laughs> and so I found this app, though, called Noisy Book. And what it does is it has these little sound cues that like if I say horse, it'll go, like it'll have a nay. Or if I go, it was an adventure, it'll be like, you know, have some kind of music thing. And so as I'm telling the story, it'll pick up on certain cue words and it'll animate with sounds the story that you are telling or reading to your child. You can be reading from a book, making up the story, whatever. So Shiloh and I used it last night and I was like, that's so fun. And then at the end of it, it had a five question quiz to see how well your child paid attention. It literally created questions built on the story I had just made up on the spot for my son. I thought that was pretty incredible. And they were accurate, like they were correct. And so it was like, it was like, what kind of character was Shiloh? Was he a mouse or a cat? And then so we select mouse and it's like, correct, Shiloh was a mouse. And uh, so it was just really fun. And it's a free app, it's called Noisy Book. So there's your life hacks. Keep your mornings easier by letting your kids sleep in their clothes. And keep your nighttime routine more fun and engaging by using the Noisy Book app when you tell a story to your child. (laughs) Okay, so there's your life hacks. Guys, I mentioned it on my Instagram stories. I want to pull in y'all's life hacks into this life hacks section because I'm only so genius and my genius runs out at some point. And while I am always finding great new things to pull into life, I want to hear y'alls, the other listeners want to hear yours. So send me a message on Instagram or feel free to leave a voice message. If you use the Anchor app to listen to podcasts, you can actually send me a voice message in Anchor. Nobody has done that yet. And so I really want to try out the feature. So I need, I need one of you to do that. And the cool thing is, if you leave a really cool audio, then I can actually just drag that audio into the episode so people can hear your voice and not just mine. Super fun. So I want to try that. So somebody do that for me, please. <laughs> it's in the Anchor app only, though. So anyways, there's that. Send in your stuff. Just a reminder, keep watching for the merch store. If you don't follow me on social media, Java with Jen on Instagram is where you can find me that's where I keep all the updates happening I share some things to Facebook but I'm really active on Instagram if you're doing stuff on my Facebook page I may miss stuff or get to it like weeks later Um, Facebook is just not as user-friendly in my opinion so follow me on Instagram Patreon you guys heard the the commercial Patreon if you want to sponsor the podcast and again rating sharing reviewing is the best way to support the show guys I love you Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing these with people that you think will be encouraged by it. And until next week, I'll see you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with javawithjen where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, we have merch coming. Stay tuned and I'll let you know when it hits the stores. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one day at a time.